Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. I would like to begin by paying my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional custodians of the land on which I am coming to you from today. Land where at Brainwaves we tell our stories, and land where the traditional custodians have told their stories for many, many years before us, and continue to tell their stories. I would like to pay my respects to Elders past and present, and acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners who are listening today. Hello, welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR, 855am, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. My name is Evan and today we'll be speaking to Louisa D. Pierce, who runs the Voice Sanctuary on Spirituality and Mental Health. Welcome, Louisa. Thank you, Evan. It's very nice to be here. How are you doing today? I'm well and I'm excited to be back on Brainwaves. I think I was on Brainwaves about 10 years ago or something. So, <laughs> oh, wow, it's been a while. Yeah, it's really nice. Nice to come back to grassroots and I love what you guys do. So, yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, firstly, I suppose I'm interested in your spirituality more so than the mental health side, but um, even though the two are closely related, um, what led you to your line of spiritual inquiry? Was it a mental illness or trauma or a spiritual change in yourself, do you think? Yeah, so I, I do find that the two are entwined. Um, yeah. um, I mean, I, for as long as I can remember, from teenager onwards, I've had mental health issues that weren't always diagnosed, um, but I lived with them in quiet and secret, I suppose. <clears throat> and then at the same time, I've always had a, spirit, a deeply spiritual inclination to connect with God. And one of my earliest memories was of wanting to become a nun when I was uh-huh. probably five or six. And then years later, I actually became part of a, a very strict discipline of meditation an Indian path, and I was following a guru um, in India, and I went over there several times to the ashram, and we meditated about two and a half hours a day on that path, and I was on that path for about 10 years. So it was a big part of my life, and it was very serious, um, serious seeking, you know, and in amongst that I'd had some what they call peak experiences in spiritual world, which is moments of, I guess, touching the divine, divine rapture a feeling like the veils of illusion in this realm had fallen away and I was connected to all that is um, which at various stages I call different things but God is one of the names that we give that so you know it was it was just a constant sort of seeking but I think that path of meditation that two and a half hours a day actually set me up for my psychosis so and it's it's that's not 
an uncommon thing that does happen on these like Vipassana retreats people go and spend 10 or 12 days in total silence and they can go a little crazy because what's going on is the well the the Vedas explain it as the Kundalini rising so they they conceive of it like a snake coiled in the base chakra of our energy system and when you meditate a lot and you kind of open up those energetic gateways the snake uncoils and travels up your spine energetically speaking and activates your the opening of your third eye and your ability to see into the subtle realms and connect to those higher energies so I think all my meditation kind of laid a very fertile ground for this spontaneous um, awakening and it was an awakening but it wasn't of the sort of sagely yogi variety of like I was suddenly in a state of bliss and rapture it was more like a nightmare realm of psychosis Um, and I think that the two are very close cousins or sisters and brothers Um, it's it's to me it's more about energy and you experience psychosis if as, as you open yourself up energetically psychosis is a risk if there is a lot of fear stored in your body from trauma or from conditioning because whatever opens up must come out so whatever's there buried in the subconscious that's what you get to deal with um and unfortunately for me it was quite a horrific experience at the time do you think it's like a build-up of sin or something or do you do you associate Um, with the word sin or not really no but that's i'm i'm not fussy about the words other people want to use I don't think there's such a thing as right or wrong words you know but I'm fussy about the words I use for my experiences because um, they have certain meanings to me and sin for me implies a judgment that I have done wrong Um, and I don't really feel that that is the case I think we come to this earth school to to learn through free will experience and that actually entails making mistakes if you want to put them in quote marks um falling into lower states of consciousness and and doing things which perhaps are not in our highest alignment which you might call sin but for me it's just it's just a matter of whether you're in alignment with your highest version of yourself or you're not um you know and even now i walk in a in a way that's full of integrity in the world but i still do things which I know are out of alignment for my higher self. So, you know, it's to be human is to sin, I guess you could say. And um, uh, yeah, so that's perhaps all I can say on that one. Um, That's that's really interesting. Do you think we always go through periods of trauma to develop sort of um, a spiritual side or do you think there's other Mm ways? Well, I I think it's not necessary, um, but I think it's overwhelmingly common. Yeah. So, you know, there, there may well be some, be some beautiful avatars on the planet, people who, are, and I've, I've read about these people, uh, you know, India is full of these types of people because their spiritual beliefs are so rich and it's, it's everywhere. It's in the air you breathe. You know, you can't avoid spirituality. Everybody's blessing some tree or making some prayer or offering everywhere you go. So for them, there are people, I think, that were born kind of almost enlightened and um, in states of rapture, and they come as teachers for the planet. But they're, even amongst our most famous avatars, we still see 
some suffering. So Jesus Christ is one that comes to mind, you know, having gone, had, had to go through a lot of trauma to reach a state of, of um, service to humanity. And just coming a little bit more into the recent world, <laughs> some examples I can think of are people like Eckhart Tolle, who's very famous for his books, The Power of Now. And, um, you know, he speaks about um, his incredible suicidal depression that he was in before he had his awakening. Um, and I think that trauma is here. I think we, we, we kind of have to go through it, most of us anyway, because true spirituality is not a lofty concept. True spirituality is embodying spirituality in the body. It's to put it into practice to translate these very high concepts such as loving your brothers or forgiveness or compassion, to translate all of that stuff into this material physical realm, right? And this realm tests us. It's like a school. So we can think we're being a being of love, right? We're a wonderful being of love. I know how to I love everybody. But when we meet our spiritual teacher in the form of an abusive parent or a bullying boss, or whatever other trauma life gives us, you know, that's when we really learn. <laughs> yeah. That's when we're really tested. Um, so when I look back on my own trauma, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, I could not have got to where I am without it. You know, I have used every awful experience I've ever had as a teacher ultimately, and it's made me who I am. And you'll hear that said by anyone who's, you know, achieved some kind of level of wholeness and healing. Mm. So how do you you think we differentiate between what's a mental illness and what's spiritual distress, do you think? Um, Yeah, look, I love these questions. They're so rich and I don't think they're spoken about enough. Um, So for me to get an opportunity to articulate this is really exciting. Um, Okay, so I'll start by saying that I feel most people in this modern world are actually spiritually distressed, and I even if they don't know it, in other words, yeah. <laughs> because our world, our, this consumeristic, patriarchal and highly rational world has neglected spirituality um, and by default you could say also femininity, nature, um, chaos the, the things that are frightened that we that we're sort of frightened of in this world um so because we have neglected it there's a seeking within people to become whole there's a seeking to re reunite with that part of themselves that has been neglected or forgotten and a lot of people find it in religion but religion is such a pigeonhole for an experience that cannot be pigeonholed you know this, these experiences are beyond words or beyond doctrine and dogma and teaching they are intensely personal and you know there there have been some people that have tried to put these things into words um rudolf rudolf otto um, now, I'm not sure exactly what he, if he was a philosopher or a writer or somebody, but the, the words that he said have echoed and haunted me since I ever first read them, which must have been 10 or 15 years ago. He talked about this thing called mysterium tremendum. He, he used the Latin. That means the great mysterious, the tremendous mysterious of all that is. Yeah. And that's true spirituality 
for me. That's the meeting of this of the great unknown. You know, to be truly spiritual is to be able to dance with that energy and to feel humbled by it. And he called it, I guess, mysterium tremendum because the word tremendous has this sense of awe within it and mysterious because it's unknowable. It's unknowable from a rational point of mind. So likewise, when you enter into psychosis, that's where you're going. You're going into that land of the mysterium tremendum where it's vast and it's bigger than you and you feel so small and you don't understand it. And in that process, you, much of your ego falls away, disintegrates, and you I can't, it's kind of like being like a naked babe before the universe, before the cosmos. Yeah, um, I've been, been through something like that. Yeah, have you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and how difficult is it to put into words? Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah, it's just there's no way to, to try and you, you can't actually put it across to someone who hasn't been through it really. No, no. But I think it's a part of us that's always that because within that mysterium tremendum is our home, right, where we come from. God is there. That is God. All that is is God. When we meet that, we it can be frightening at first, yes, but I think what happens then is you merge with it. You fall in love with it. And in that process, you are reunited spiritually with source with creator with god and that is a beautiful beautiful feeling and a beautiful experience and it makes you whole and it makes you feel healed in my opinion so i think a lot of to go back to your original question is you know how can we differentiate between mental illness and trauma and what spiritual distress um okay i do want to address that because i'm not saying that everyone needs to go down my path and um, embrace spirituality and seek contact with God or the creator. Um, but I think it's at the root of everything. So there are many layers, you know, to our experience. And to really oversimplify it is to say that we have a physical body, we have an emotional body, we have a mental body, and we have a spiritual body. And all those things are interconnected, but where the focus is, in your experience may well be the physical. So, for example, yeah. if you're going through a mental health experience which where you're, uh, you know, uh, extremely agitated and you need to take some medication to help calm you down, that's a biological, you know, experience. You're changing your nervous system, your physiology to help you there. And that might be where you focus your treatment. That might well be. But for other people like me, I knew that that was never going to be enough that I would have to go really deep and um, and look at all the, the different aspects of myself to heal. Yeah, I've been, I've been sort of trapped in this spiritual sort of reality a long time and it makes the med medications and that not feel effective because you're not in the mind sort of part. Mm -hmm. So you're sort of suffering when you're taking the medicines. It's, that doesn't make you feel better. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, hard to, it's hard to get that healing in the spiritual realm when you just feel like you've been put there um, artificially from a drug, you know, taking a drug once upon a time. Just just sadly, the way a lot of people find spirituality in some ways is through an accident on a drug or an illicit drug or something like that these days. Mm, definitely. Definitely. I was, I was one of those people. <laughs> you yeah. know, a lot of people come to 
a path of psychosis or schizophrenia through through taking cannabis. And I don't think it's because cannabis is to blame. I think it's because, in my case anyway, I had a whole lot of trauma and negative toxic stuff that I hadn't dealt with. And then, of course, cannabis, like many of the plant medicines, I believe that's what it is, is a plant medicine, is that it opens up you energetically. So if you're opening yourself up, oh, and then you actually get to look at yourself, you're like, oh, my God, you know? <laughs> there's the self-judgment, there's the paranoia, there's the all the awful stuff that I wanted, I've been trying to run from. And then conversely, you get a kind of a high. So you do get that connection to source, but it's artificial, um, so it doesn't last and it has a cost. Um so, so yeah, it's it's quite an interesting interesting realm, and interesting to note too that there are more and more I think people around the world trying out um, plant medicines now as cures for mental illness. So yeah. yeah, that's a whole kind of realm of yeah medicine, which is I think just going to keep increasing. Do you mm. think it's important to differentiate between mental illness and spiritual problems, or do you think it's in in healing? Do you think, or is it? Better to um, be more holistic about yourself. I'm going to say yes and yes, yes and yes. I don't know. <laughs> well, the thing is, I think it's useful. I, I do use this template of the four bodies that I just spoke about, the physical, the emotional, the mental and the spiritual. And because it, it depends where someone's at, right? Not, not everyone is wanting to work on the spiritual. Um, so let's say and I know for me uh, there's been times when I've just focused on my emotional body like what are my emotions doing how do I get that uh under control somehow so that would mean um teaching myself emotional intelligence and feeling my emotions understanding how to process them that kind of thing the mental realm is the realm of my thoughts my beliefs what story am I attaching to what I'm going through that's the mental realm right so when I work with myself and also with any clients that I work with, I try to, you know, assess, I guess, with them, which is which is the best area to kind of target. And that might not be spiritual to start with. Spiritual might come much later. Um, so when I say, I, when to answer your question, I think we can differentiate to a degree, um, but we've got to keep them all in mind at the same time. So yeah. it's, Yes and yes, if that makes sense. <laughs> it's to be healthy for all different. It's got to be healthy for all the different modes of ourself, I suppose. To, yes, because you don't, want, you, you don't want one part mm -mm. suffering and the other part. Mm -mm. I suppose it doesn't work that way, though. Anyway, does it? You... Well, you just alluded to the problem just before. If you focus only on one part, then you neglect the other part. So if yeah. you just give yourself medication which is the physical realm, right, yeah. because you're literally calming down the nervous system of your body, um, then, and, and to an extent, you're shutting off, you know, you're shutting off the emotional realm, you're shutting off the spiritual realm, certainly, and the mental realm somewhat, because your thoughts become more sluggish and so forth. So you're slowing all of the other realms down. Then that can work for a time. That can be very helpful for a time in acute crisis. Mm. But if you just stick with that strategy only and you don't evolve beyond it, then ultimately there's going to be blockages and you're yeah. going to end up feeling like something is missing and it certainly isn't a path to healing. I mean, healing is to make whole. So ultimate healing is to embrace all of these aspects of ourselves and to, you know, create some kind of a energetic balance between them. Mm. Um, like seeking love, sorry. 
Yeah, I was just going to say that if you if you focus conversely too much on the spiritual realm, well, you know, that that is not very good either because you need to be able to be grounded in this world and function. So if if I was just floating around like um, meditating all day, how am I going to feed myself? Am I yeah. going to shower myself? You know, how exactly. am I going to interact in this world and pay my bills? So, <laughs> so it's all about balance, I think. Yeah. Um, do you think spiritual practice is important for good mental health? Like I know I probably answered that, but. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, uh, well, again, we have sort of answered that, but I actually realised that I had forgotten to mention um, in terms of combining spiritual, spiritual practice and mental health you know, can we, do, can we do both at once? And there's a beautiful metaphor presented to me by one of my teachers who's pretty famous in the mental health circles. So some of your listeners will be aware of this person. His name's Dr. Lewis Melmadrona, and he's a Native American psychiatrist. So there's a nice, um, you know, holistic partnership, Native American, and he's a psychiatrist. So I love how he str straddles both worlds. And I've gone to workshops with him and I've heard him speak and I've read some of his books. He's very big on story, um, on using story as a type of medicine. And he talks about this thing called two-eyed seeing, which means that he, you can view the world as through the eyes of psychiatry and you can also view the world through the eyes of the Native American spirituality, right? Yeah. And same can be said, you can view the world through the ancient Indigenous practices of spirituality, animism, we are all part of the world, respecting nature, and the rational, modern sort of viewpoints of science and, you know, um, logic. So he, he encourages two-eyed seeing, see the world with both of these perspectives, yeah. and then you, then you naturally bring them together. Um, and then you have balance and wholeness, and, you know, you're not in danger of neglecting one or the other. So what, what does your spiritual sort of practice entail? What, what sort of things do you do? Um, well, it's, it's constantly evolving. Um, and right now, it's, I'm glad you asked that question because it's nice to be able to share like a journey arc, I suppose, that I've gone on where when I first became unwell with psychosis, I knew that it was a spiritual crisis at the bottom of it, you know. I had to still go through a journey of going to hospital, getting heavily medicated, doing psychotherapy, doing all sorts of things to help myself. But deep down it was a spiritual crisis. So all along the way I've continued to evolve and develop a spiritual practice that supports that and takes me in that direction, closer to God, closer to love, right, closer to being of service to humanity, which is my, I guess, spiritual purpose for being on earth. Mm -hmm. So where that's led me, because when I first got unwell, I kind of thought, oh, gosh, this is, this is what happens to shamans, you know, in the ancient Indigenous cultures. They have this breakdown and then somebody comes along, some wise person, <laughs> some wise shaman steps out with his incense and his rattles and whatever and, and takes you under his wing and teaches you in the forest and teaches you how to heal and help people. So I felt like I had that kind of a calling, but in living in the modern world, 
where do you go, right? There was just yeah. kind of no one that I knew that was a shaman. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but to come full circle now, I'm actually uh, embarking on that. I've started a mentorship um, in shamanic practice and that's really where I'm going now. So my spirituality is not some, I don't know, it's not, it's not just about meditation and being in the light and the love. It, it's actually about connecting to the earth, um, which is what shamanic practices do. They teach people how to communicate with the land, with the forest, with the animals, um, with nature, and to also work with ancestors. You know, that's a whole other component that gets very neglected in mental health other than the mention of transgen transgenerational trauma. Um, but our our ancestors are also there to to support us and help us. So, so that that's where my spirituality is now going. And I spend a lot of time in nature. Um, I spend a lot of time, yeah, just cultivating that relationship with nature and the earth and my body as well. Yeah. yeah. You've done some writing over the years. Um, what are your books that you've written? You've written some books. I've written two books. Um, they're humble. I self-published them mainly because years ago, before I got very unwell, I was a published author in children's fiction and uh, I found uh, the publishing world is tough. You know, it's tough to get books published. It's a very unforgiving. I felt like it would be harder to go and get it published professionally than it would be for me to do it myself um I since kind of swallow those words because <laughs> it's actually I can write a book I can edit a book and I can design the cover and I can do all of those things but selling it is not my strong point um yeah, so if any, if any of your um listeners want to buy a copy from my website that would be so awesome it would like make my day because <laughs> I don't sell many but I have written two books to 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 answer your question one is called the Little Girl That Nobody Wanted, um, and that is a picture book memoir. That's what I call it because the first half of the story is a picture book. It's like a little children's story which summarises my childhood and the trauma I went through, but it's it's not too dark if, if listeners are worried about that. It's, it's a story about a king and a queen and, you know, um, but the, the wounded child. So The Little Girl That Nobody Wanted is a is a story about that and healing from voices because the second half of the book is like a explanation of what the picture book means and it's yeah. quite unique because I wrote it in hospital so it was part of part of my recovery journey was to write that book oh that's great yeah and it's very accessible I find for voice hearers and you know it's not a big long deep read or anything you can just flick through the picture book and the pictures speak a thousand words kind of thing so so that's that book. And then I re more recently wrote Spirit Gnosis. And Gnosis is an, is an old-fashioned word, Greek word for knowledge, right? And diagnosis is what they call, you know, our yeah. diagnoses when we get diagnosed with whatever, schizophrenia or something. Um, so I was just playing with those words because I quite like words. I find them interesting. Um, and I wanted to write a book about the knowledge that spirit brings to mental health and in particular to the experience of hearing voices because that was so much a part of what I went through. Um, so spirit gnosis is part memoir as well. I talk a little bit about my healing journey, how I healed my voice experiences, 
And then the rest of the book is practical self-help guide for voice hearers. So what are some really practical things you can do to help yourself heal from this experience? Or if you work with voice hearers, it can be useful too. Yeah. Do you, do you offer support for people suffering mental or spiritual distress? Do you have a business or? Yes, I do. Um, I've been running a private practice for quite a few years now, but this year was the first year that I decided to call it and like give it a name. <laughs> so, so I've called it the Voice Sanctuary um, in honour of, you know, my roots working with voices, but it's also about the inner voice. It doesn't have to just be with voice hearers. It's anyone who wants to explore finding that wise voice within um, and also, you know, I work a lot with parts. So people might hear voices and those are their parts, but they might also just have experiences of having a very wounded inner child or a very strong inner critic um, and they want to integrate that. You know, they want to explore why they feel so deeply conflicted and how um, they can bring themselves into harmony and balance within. So... So yes, I do. I do do that, and I'm absolutely loving it. I'm really feel very fortunate that I can take all the things that I learned through my lived experience, but also, you know, all the gifts of the people on whose shoulders I stand. So, the people who helped me, my psychiatrist and my psychologist, that sat with me through hours and hours and hours of angst and tears and you know drama as I as I try, fought really as I fought to heal. Um, and then, of course, the beautiful people that I've learned from uh, John Watkins brings to mind. He's, a, you know, you probably had him on the show a few times maybe. He's a Melbourne person who wrote Unshrinking Psychosis. little shout-out to him. Um, and all the crew at Voices Vic who just gave me the confidence, really, to heal and be who I am today. So, yeah, yeah. I feel very grateful to all of them. And can we find your books at the Voice Sanctuary or? Yes, yes, www.voicesanctuary.com.au. It's pretty right. easy to connect with me there. Um, okay. Well, thanks, Louisa. That's really been a really interesting um, interview and um, I've learned so much just listening to that myself you know i've i mean i've bought both your books as well so they've been thank you Evan. <laughs> very, very helpful in my little journey as well so thanks so much for talking to us today on brainwaves my absolute pleasure thanks for having me on thanks kaylin for setting up the interview and recording it and thanks louisa for coming on the show today you can find more of our shows at brainwaves.org.au or on spotify or wherever you happen to download your podcasts if you have a story to share or would like to share some feedback or ideas for future shows, please email us at brainwaves at wellways.org. Stay safe and thanks for listening. We'll be back next week for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.